This is the Speech Uncensored podcast. It is your one-stop shop for digging deeper into all things medical, speech, and language pathology related. I am Leanne, your host, and I'm delighted that you're joining us today to finish a discussion that we started on the previous episode with Lauren Ball as she talks about what life is like for her as an SLP on the inpatient rehab unit. And this episode, we're going to get a little bit more in depth on the types of cognitive and language assessments that she uses. Hi, Lauren. Hey, Leanne. How's it going? (laughs) Oh, good. Thanks for having me. Good. Well, thank you so much for joining me. All right, Lauren, well, tell me a little bit about yourself. Who are you? All right. So I'm a speech-language pathologist uh, currently working in inpatient rehab. So um, I have experience in skilled nursing facilities, um, which is probably the closest to rehab if we think about kind of how things work, but Mm -hmm. um, currently working in rehab. And so I'll kind of talk a little bit about what life in rehab is like and um, how it's different from all the other settings that a speech pathologist might find themselves in. Okay, Lauren, let's get into evaluations that you use on inpatient rehab. When we first get a patient coming to us, whether we're evaluating them on the first day or if this is a patient where something came up later and speech is pulled in, um, we've got to figure out what type of assessment, what evaluation we want to use. So um, where I work, I think we're fairly lucky to have a decent-sized bank of assessments. You do. We can choose from. That's not a bank. That's an arsenal, honey. <laughs> That's It's one of those entire... Um, File cabinets, like the lateral file cabinets, not the not the skinny narrow ones, the long ones that you pull out. It's an entire four cabinet, four drawer filing cabinet full of assessments. Right. I'm not jealous at all. Yeah. I'm <laughs> pretty lucky. Some of them are outdated and we're in the process of keeping up with that. But yeah, we do have a decent number of choices, which is great. Yeah. So... If I'm doing a cognitive assessment, we usually start with a um, just a screen that's been compiled by our facility. Um, I love that you call it a screen. It still takes an hour yeah, to yeah. get through. That thing is a beast. <laughs> it is a beast. I call it a screen because it doesn't really give us any like norms right. or um, objective information, I should say. And some, Agreed. I, it is objective, but it's still very much up for interpretation. Oh, uh-huh. Some of the tasks have specific numbers where they're like, this is within functional limits. But we know that, again, that all varies based on the patient's age and education level and all that. So how I kind of see the screen is it's when I'm going in and I really don't know what I'm going to get, whether this patient is very low functioning, whether they're higher level, it kind of gives us um, an overall picture of maybe what we need to look into next. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it gives us just what we need to kind of jump in and get started, Um, but Sometimes I'll go in the second day with a different assessment, a standardized assessment. We try not to spend too many days testing. I would never do more than two. Um, but sometimes you don't get all that you need from that that first day or that first informal screen. Um, so just some different cognitive tests that we have that are fairly frequently chosen by our therapists. Um, In terms of cognition, we have the SCAN, Scales of Cognitive and Communicative Ability for Neurorehabilitation. Very nice. So that's one that is good for mid to low level brain injury. Um, Looks at 
all different areas. And what I like about that one is it gives you specific to each domain what the level of severity is. So attention, language, memory, um, oral expression, speech comprehension, all that stuff. Could you do the, I haven't used the scan in my own practice. Could you do the scan um, a la carte, like just do certain subtests or do you need to go from start to finish? Yeah, it's pretty tricky to break it apart because each piece gives you a score that is totaled up to this specific domain. So you might have like a couple points in this particular activity that go to the memory score, but you also have memory points given from a different part of the test. Uh, okay. So it's a little bit trickier to break up. Um, so basically, no, you need to yeah. do it all or nearly everything. <laughs> yes, unless you're using it very informally, of course. Mm. Um, another cool thing about that one is based on the patient's score in three domains. Let me think of what these are. I think um, memory, attention, and oral expression or something like that. Anyway, it picks out three domains and you kind of plot them on a graph. Mm-hmm. And based on the general shape of that graph, it can tell you whether the um, cognitive dysfunction is mirrored of right hemisphere dysfunction of, oh, I can't remember the other two off the top of my head, maybe dementia or something, mm-hmm. um, or a a left hemisphere? I Yeah, I think it's kind of like that. But it's kind of cool to see how that pattern is pretty consistently present depending on what domain is more oh, impacted. Yeah. yeah. So I like that about this scan. That is fun. Um, real quick, we have this SCAT B, the Scales of Cognitive Ability for Traumatic Brain Injury. Um, we have the CLQT, the Cognitive Linguistic Quick Test. Which I feel like is a very generous test. I agree. That is like my biggest bone with that yeah. is that everybody is within functional limits. Yes. And I'm like... And you're like, I know you're not. No, they're not. <laughs> yeah. So when whenever they score poorly on that, like they are You know bad. it's real. <laughs> like they're real bad. Yeah. So an outpatient, the CLQT is almost useless to me. Yeah. Oh, because yeah. I get much more higher level people. So it really, it doesn't pick up mm-hmm. on deficits in my outpatient population. So for me, I, I don't find much value in the CLQT. Yeah. And they're, honey, they're nothing quick about it. Yeah. I like, I was true. like, it's a quick little screener. Um, yeah. no, it's not. It takes the whole time. Yeah. It is. <laughs> At oh, least 30. Were you going to say anything about the SCAT B? Um, that one I would say is mid to higher level brain injury patients. Um, there are some things that I, I don't tend to grab that one very quickly because there are some things about it that feel pretty outdated. Some yeah. of the stories. Oh yeah. Um, I just, I, I don't yeah, get I've it got that some, often. I, you know what? I, all over with our assessment protocols, I have a bone to pick. All of them really are outdated. Yeah. They were all made ages ago. Oh sure. They've updated the norms. Maybe they've changed some of the materials, but not really. No, not Someone enough. Someone just needs to make new tests yes. for us. Somebody out there. We do. Somebody yeah. out there, please make us better assessments for our populations. Like, we're trying to help these people, and we, we've we got some janky stuff from, like, yeah. the 80s. Yes. No offense to you hardworking SLPs from the 80s who made amazing assessments for the 80s. Yes. However, this is 2019, yes. and we need to get now. On, on, on board with that. Yes, absolutely. One thing I like about the SCAT B is that you can kind of do it a la carte. It has yes. five or six kind of subsections, mm-hmm. like orientation. I wish I had some of the material in front of me. Recall, 
Oh, reasoning. Yes. Memory. Yes. Yes. Yeah, um, but I know what you mean. It's yeah. So you can you pick. can give sections of it. You don't have to administer the whole thing. Yeah. Um, and that's nice. Yeah. That's helpful. Definitely. We have the uh, Wexler. Wexler memory skills. Do you? Yes. And I'll be honest, I haven't given it in its entirety. It's a very long, involved assessment. Okay. But I have, with people who are very high level, I've kind of taken pieces of it. Uh Uh-huh. I kind of, I've used it more as like a therapy task, I guess, versus like trying to give it as a whole assessment, kind Mm -hmm. of picking a piece of it and whether we're talking about strategies or whatever, kind of using that, that stimuli as a therapy task, because it is pretty long, but it's really good for us to have, because we do get a lot of higher level patients too. Yes. Um, We recently got the favors. I've been like looking into seeing if I need to request that, because I need, I don't have a very good arsenal. I think it's great, especially for outpatient. Um, Tell me what the, wait, how'd you pronounce it? Favors. Favors, because it's like, it's an yeah. acronym, and it yeah. looks weird to me. Yes. It's the Functional Assessment of Verbal Reasoning and Executive Strategies. So what I really like about this one is it's a it's comprised of four tasks, and each of the tasks is functional. It's a real-life task. It's not question and answer. You know what's awesome about this test? It's new, isn't it? Yes. It's, it's relatively one of the new, new. Yeah, like within, at least with literally within this century. Yeah. <laughs> That makes it very fresh. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's great. I mean, like the first subtest, the patient has to um, look at a few entertainment pages that look like they would have come out of a newspaper. And they are given all this information on this um, person that they're taking out to an event. And these are the dates that work for them. And this is the budget that you have and the times that work for you and all these things that you have to consider looking at this open-ended problem, and then pick the best answer. And there's more than one answer that could be correct, but there's one answer that's the best answer. And then you go through this series of questions asking them about their reasoning process and um, what if this changed, then what would you do? So kind of some of that flexibility and um, prediction and different things like that. It's great. Um, they have to schedule a busy work day. So I really like that subtest. Um, It's like they have all these meetings. They have messages that they've been given. They have to prioritize tasks and figure out who's important, get this on a daily schedule, and then kind of go through that same series of questions. And then there's two more also, but that's kind of why I like that one for our higher-level patients. It's it's more real life, and Mm -hmm. it's it's pretty complex. So it's a good one at um, getting at some of that executive functioning. Nice. And then, of course, we have the RIPA. I, I, I always call it the it RIPA. The RIPA. <laughs> R-I-P-M. That's a RIPA. We're going to call that one the RIPA. And that's the Ross Information Processing, Processing. Assessment. Yes. Um, we don't use it too often at our facility, but we have it. We have the yeah. geriatric version, the RIPA-G. I don't. Personally, I don't prefer it. It's, yeah. a, it's a quick and dirty yeah. test, in my opinion. Um it's like usually ten questions for each like subtest. Yeah, I think that's so. Okay. Scoring is super easy. Yeah, you like that. Um, yeah, so if that's your jam, but you know, it's it's literally question answer question mm-hmm. answer question answer question answer. I feel like I'm giving a survey. Yeah, <laughs> and we know how much that misses too when we're just doing question answer with these people. So 
sometimes we're not getting the whole picture that way. So, mm-hmm. and then we also have the BADS for our higher level patients, which is the behavioral assessment of dis-executive syndrome. Mm. That's one that I've really liked lately. It's yeah. It's got some cool stuff for, again, for that executive function and higher level patients. Um, so it's kind of a fun one. Have you ever given that one? I haven't, no. There's six um, tasks or subtests, and um, they're really interesting. Just to give you a couple, the I know one of them is called the modified six elements, and this patient, the patient has to. Um, there's six tasks in front of them. There's one A, one B, two A, two B, three A, three B. So, groups of two tasks that are similar, but they're different stimulus items. And the patient has 10 minutes, and the goal is to get a little bit done from each of the tasks, knowing that they wouldn't be able to get everything done. And there's a few rules they have to keep in mind. Uh They can't go from task 1A to 1B. They can't do two consecutive tasks of the same overall um, subtest or whatever you want to call it. So they'd have to go like 1A, then to like 2A or 2B, and then later come back to that one. So they've got all these different things they have to think about. They have to be watching their time. They have to kind of plan and organize how they're going to do it. That sounds, sounds really cool. Great. That yeah. sounds like that could work for my high-level outpatients. Yeah. I think you would really like it. Nice. And there's a few other ones, too, some really interesting ones. Like they have a, a beaker full of um, water and the cork. And anyway, they have to kind of like problem-solve with this almost like a a physical problem-solving task where they have to somehow get the cork out of this test tube without touching these certain things and, like, only using what they have in front of them. So interesting. Yeah, it's really different. I like it. It's good for some higher-level people. We also give the alpha a lot, too. The assessment of language-related functional activities, which that one I almost never use as, like, an assessment. Mm -hmm. I kind of pick little subtests from there. And really the only one that I give that often is the counting money one. I still like that one. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of that one kind of feels outdated too. The check writing and yeah, the so, TV guide. People always are like, I haven't looked at one of these things in years. So mm-hmm. kind of just skip over that now. That one, yeah, definitely for the alpha that a lot of the materials in it are outdated for the functional use of it, mm-hmm. but all the principles of it right. are so good. Yeah. So we just need the alpha to be updated for what people are doing nowadays. Yeah. That would um, be awesome. And I'm not talking about like making it hip for the millennials. Like our seniors nowadays are not using yeah. TV guides. Yeah. They have cell phones. Yes. You know, <laughs> they watch Netflix. Yeah. Okay. So we need things that mirror like life right now mm-hmm. for all of our ages. Yeah. I agree. And not think that, that just because so they're seniors that they're stuck yeah. in the nineties or something. Yeah. They're not. Yeah. They're present. <laughs> Yeah, I rarely, rarely have anybody that says they still write checks, even if they're, yeah, in their 90s. Mm -hmm. It's pretty rare. So so that kind of limits us a little bit. Oh, that limits, oh my gosh, that throws out like half the workbook. Yeah. Like when it comes to like money management (laughs) skills, check writing, like nobody, like people get mad if I pull that out. They're like, I "I don't balance a checkbook. I look online. Yeah. (laughs) And I do too. I mean, I don't don't balance it out anymore. Mm -mm. Nope. I remember when I first got my checkbook, I did. Yeah, I did too in high school. Yup. <laughs> yup. Not no more. Yep. Also, because, I, I mean, if I write a check, it's super rare. Yeah. And people are almost upset if they see a yeah. check. 
You want to be that person in life. When I worked in retail before becoming an SLP, like, people would try to pay with a check. I was like, you must hate me. Yeah. What did I do to you? Like, why would you do this to me? It doesn't make sense today, so. No. I think it's something we'll just have to kind of slowly replace. Yep. I agree. And then in terms of language, my favorite is the WAB. That's pretty much the number one go-to, the Western aphasia battery. Revised. Yes, the revised version. Mm -hmm. That one's relatively new to our department, but I use it all the time with aphasia patients. I think it's really comprehensive. And even the higher level people, you can usually get at some of their deficits. And um, it's low enough that generally lower level people can get through it too. But um, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's great. I really like that one. That one was my favorite one exiting grad school that's the one I used the most in grad school and at my first job I think they had like the original Boston and they didn't have anything else for aphasia so I requested that we get the WAB and I I like it Mm -hmm. I prefer it I do too um but it is an assessment that you have to give all of it to to get the scores Mm -hmm. you have to complete the whole thing um if not in one setting then the next time or you, you don't have anything to report right for your evaluation yeah so that's probably the only good thing about the Boston is that it can be a la carte. You can just pick and choose things and you can get scores and have something to report and not have to do the whole thing. That's true. And of course with the Boston, there is a long version and a short version. And there is no location on this planet where an SLP is giving the long version of the Boston. I know. That, that packet is like 30 pages or something. It's wild. It's crazy. Even the short version is... I think in depth. Although I actually I haven't seen the short version in a very long time. I really can't speak on any authority about yeah. the Boston. I honestly can't either. Mm-hmm. I don't think many people are using it. Um, yeah. Much. Yeah. But I remember one of my clinical supervisors in grad school. Like she preferred the Boston. She was all about that a la carteness. Like you it can pick nice. and choose. It is nice. And I'm like, that's good for you, Miss Practicing Clinician. I don't know. Like I can't look at somebody. For two seconds and be like, I know which, yeah. you know, subtests I'm going to do with you. Yeah. I know so much. Like, I was a grad student. I right. Was like, oh my gosh. I was like, I don't know anything. Yeah. Just trying to get through the session at that point. Mm-hmm. We also have the ADP, the aphasia diagnostic profiles, which I don't give too often anymore, especially since we got the WAB. But that one's um, pretty good for higher level language. And then the RCBA, the Reading Comprehension Battery for Aphasia. Mm-hmm. I like that one for looking at reading. Yeah. But primarily, the WAP kind of gets that, gets it all of it. So. At what you need. Yeah. That's good. Any other assessments? That's all I really That's your main ones? Those are the, the go-to ones. Yeah. Anyway. No, those are good. Yeah, you have a wide range there. Yeah. We do have some super, super old ones in the drawers that could probably just go in the trash at this point. But yeah. But those are kind of the ones we give the most... All right, so kind of my favorite thing, too, about rehab is the chance to build rapport with your patients. I feel like, you know, and that's the same for for outpatient, too, but in not not every setting do you kind of have this opportunity to spend so much time with a patient, Mm -hmm. and literally your job is to sit down and listen to them and figure out what matters to them Mm -hmm. and kind of be the one to hear them when they have concerns and, you know, when they're trying to convey what's important to them to really take that in yeah um i forgot to mention just in case i don't know some listeners didn't know that with inpatient rehab you are seeing this patient every day for therapy yes and that 
is usually an hour, mm-hmm. a total of an hour every day that you're sitting down with this person yeah. for the whole time that they're in inpatient rehab. Yeah. And that's and so, a lot of time to spend is. with one person. It is. It doesn't sound like it, but it really is. I know. Yeah. Which is the coolest thing about our job. It's also the most challenging thing sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love that. And I love the chance to really build just like a personal relationship with people too, not only the patients, but their families. And that is by far the most rewarding thing that I've found. I think that we meet some of the most hilarious Mm -hmm. and sweet and sassy and crazy people, but it's so fun. And like we kind of mentioned earlier, you know, we get patients from all different walks of life and, I just find that I learned so much from these people Mm -hmm. and I don't know. It's so cool. And just you get people who have been going through something like the darkest time of their life in most of these situations Yes, and people who take it with such grace and Mm -hmm. who are so thoughtful and amazing. And then, you know, you also get people who are really having a hard time. Yeah. And it's kind of your job to be able to take both of those things and still do the best job that you can. And that's another cool challenge is trying to kind of peel back some of the layers of people who Mm -hmm. are difficult and just know that everyone's really just doing the best they can to get through their situation. And whether or not every session is this beautiful, perfect picture of speech therapy, like Mm -hmm. you have the chance to be a small light in their day or in this period of their life. And I just think that's super cool and such a unique aspect of our job. And that's what I love the most about rehab for sure. That's awesome. Yeah. Lauren, my little saint, that's beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) Far from it. I love it. No, it is. It's a challenge too. Sometimes like you're just like, this is the fifth patient who is having a very tough day. Oh my gosh, yeah. And they are letting me know about it. Yeah. Mm. And that makes some of our days so incredibly tough too. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're all human and after a while of some difficult people, it can kind of Yeah. It can wear down on you, yeah. but just trying to keep in mind too that I don't know, everybody deserves your unconditional positive regard and yeah. It's absolutely true. Yeah. Yep. And everyone's just like I said, kind of doing the best that they can and they're not here to make my day perfect and easy, but it's my job to go in and try and do something to help them. And You know, the, most of the time we have fun and our days are full of fun and mm-hmm. we have so many hilarious things said to us that <laughs> just make it all worth it and yeah. try and write some of those down. We try and keep a quote notebook, patient quotes. Also, we keep clock drawings because... What SLP doesn't love a good clock drawing? Yes. Oh, no, that's awesome. I would have (laughs) wallpaper of all the clock drawings. I think that would be fantastic. Yeah, it's great. Mm -hmm. Okay, I think we're done. I mean, you basically gave me your parting thought. You're all inspirational. (laughs) I'm loving it. Um, Well, like, what's a lesson that you've learned working in inpatient rehab that you want to share with people? Um, I think overall in the past few years... The thing I've learned is just, like, in our profession, confidence is everything. And that doesn't mean being cocky and thinking that you know everything. It's being sure of what you don't know and being sure that 
you know what you need to do to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And um, also on the flip side, the things that you do know, you know, advocating for our profession and for the things that you know that you need and um, just kind of that attitude that you convey to patients and their families too that, you know, you know which, what this is and what you're doing and that even if there is something that's a little unclear, you can figure it out. Mm-hmm. You'll do the best you can for them. But, yeah, I just think that that's something that's so huge because kind of like we talked about, you come into this field and you realize how much you don't know and yes. it's so scary and it can really be detrimental mm-hmm. if you kind of stew in that. But just having that confidence to do the best work that you can and keep learning, I think it's just, it's everything. That's awesome. Yeah. I agree. 100%. Yeah. I, I know when I'm not exuding that healthy level of confidence yeah. when, and thankfully this hasn't happened for a while, when a patient would ask, so how long have you been practicing? <laughs> and I'm like, okay, fine. No offense taken. Um, <laughs> I can relate to that. Yeah, yeah. And so it's uh, it's about, yeah, it's carrying yourself with confidence and not, and it is a special skill to be able to say, I don't know the answer to that, but I will find out. Right, yeah. Like, cop up to what you don't know. Yeah. Don't try to smooth over it or make something up on the fly. Like, let them know, but then be like, I will find out. Mm-hmm. This obviously matters to you. I'll yeah. look into it. I'll get back with you. Yeah, exactly. And you'll learn something. You'll grow from it. Yeah. Yeah. Lauren, thank you so much. Of course. Thank you. This for was awesome. Me. This was super fun. Yeah. I'm really glad that you came and sat down with me. Yeah, me too. I love it. I really enjoyed hearing more about those assessments because now I'm yeah. like, ooh, apparently I need to look at the bads. I know. You can have some fun with it. Try it out next time. I will. Okay. Yeah. I will. And that concludes another episode of the Speech Uncensored podcast. I want to tell Lauren thank you again so much for joining me and sharing your experiences on the inpatient rehab unit. Um, I really learned a lot sitting down and talking with her, and I've become more inspired to really focus on each individual patient and find out what motivates them, what's important to them, and pull that into therapy and make it more unique and more personable to each patient. Um, So that's been really great for me on my end. And um, yeah, that's it. So we're done. I'm going to wrap up now. I just want to say thank you to the listener. I appreciate you very much. And if you have any feedback for me, I'd love to hear it. So just go to speechuncensored.com. There are places to comment um, for each post that I put up for each podcast episode. There's also um, a contacts page that you can submit some feedback for me there. Or I suppose you could email me directly at speechuncensored at gmail.com. I just hesitate on putting that email out there in the world because I don't want crazy amounts of random spam. But there, it's done. It's out there, and there's no going back. So (laughs) if you've got something you want to tell me, I'd love to hear it. Hit me up. Find me. It'll happen. Um, Otherwise, thank you. Get out there, flourish and nourish, and be awesome. Thanks for listening. Bye.